Amen. Amen. Awesome. It's so exciting to have Matt joining in the fold with us here on our crew. Well, hey, I want to join everyone just in welcoming you to church again today. We're just blessed to get to be here. I learned that I got to get off stage more because when I'm walking around while worship happens, people are looking at me like I have three heads. So if you're new here, I'm our worship pastor and like I'm like getting a communion cup and I want people are like, What's going on out there? Why is Lucas down here? So that's, I guess, the Lord telling me, like, get, you got to get off stage a little bit more. But, you know, the funny thing is, if you hang out with us, like, we do love football around here. So I'm sorry if you don't love football. Like, me and Ryan probably love it enough for all of us to be a part of it. So I got to rock Flock Nation, right? My boy, Lamar Jackson. I'm in enemy territory today, but here we go. Week one. I mean, I'm hyped. I love it. It's going to be a great day, not just because you're here, not just because it's church, but it's football Sunday, y'all. I even, I rocked my football football socks. So we've got a football, we've got a foam finger, and then this is like a, a red communion cup that's really big. Um, so that's what those are. Um, but those are my football socks that I like to, to rock. I got to be careful. We're not crossroads, but we're just hanging out, having a good time. So I've got some questions that I want to ask you today, and we're going to spend some time just discovering more about ourselves, about our rhythms, about our relationship with Jesus. And we're going to get all into that. But before we go there, I do just want to acknowledge what today is. Today is September 11th. Today is a day that carries a lot of weight for many of us. When we think about 21 years ago, the attacks that took place in our country, right? And for many, you can probably think specifically where you were, what was going on. I know I was just a kid, but I still have vivid memories. Some may even be young enough where you weren't alive yet. But, you know, as a church, we want to have a heart to mourn with those who mourn. We want to have a heart to, to care for those who are hurting. And we know that for many of us, 21 years later, our consistency of our days, we probably don't think about that often. But for those that were directly impacted, for those whose the ripple effects still impact their life, we want to take a minute and just be still and silent today and just pray as we mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes on those anniversaries, things just come up in feelings and emotions. So let's just sit and be still before we dive in today. Jesus, we do just ask right now, anyone that is still just mourning, that is hurting, that lost a loved one, that is navigating grief as a ripple effect from the anniversary of what happened today, God, we pray you would just draw near to their hearts, Lord. God, you draw near to the broken. God, I just pray that we would be people that, that care we would be people that love. We would be people that pray for those that are hurting. So God, as we remember that day today, we just pray over those that are still hurting. God, we also just ask just that you'd bring safety and protection, God, over us. We just pray your provision and your hand would be at work in our lives, God. And I just pray that we would be people that when, when big things happen, when, when life-changing events happen, God, that we would be people that look to you, that turn to you, that seek you out, Jesus. God, we just pray your spirit would come. Just bless this time, Lord, as we talk, as we learn, as we grow, as we sense you. God, I pray you just transcend my voice or my thoughts and that this would just be your thoughts and your voice that speaks to people. Would that be the loudest thing that's received today is whatever people need from you. We just say, have your way, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much just for taking that space. I know we, I mentioned that the other day and some people was like, wow, you know, hadn't even thought about it. But, you know, we always want to pray and mourn and honor the things that are going on. Hey, as we get started today into our message, I've got a couple questions I want to ask you. I want to get to know you guys a little bit better. Obviously, some of you didn't know that occasionally I sit in the chairs and don't sing. So I want to know some things about you today. Um, here's the only rule. You can't answer for your spouse. You can't answer for someone else you came with. You can't, right? It's just about you. You don't need to tell me about the people you're sitting next to. Um, who here would say they are just naturally like early riser? right? Like, are you just like, you're up, you're at it. Like you don't need an alarm clock anymore. You are programmed to rise and shine, right? When I met Ryan, I was like, I didn't know what early was. And then this homeboy is like, emails me at 4.15. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like hours away from waking up and he's hitting me up. So it was, it's a funny learning about those early rides. Okay. Who's the night owl? Who's like, oh my gosh. Like, even if you wanted to sleep, like you lay down and it's like, like all the thoughts, like all the things that I could be doing, right? Or it's like, you're that like Netflix warrior at night, you know, while most of us sleep from 10 to two, like you binge watch the office for the eighth time this year, right? Like you're crushing it in the nighttime. Okay. I did see a couple people didn't raise any hands. Is anybody like neither? Like tuck me in at nine, wake me up at 1130. Like I'm cool with that. Human koala bear status, right? 23 hours a day is like a good starting point for the kind of sleep you wouldn't be getting. Okay, as we're talking about sleep, well, really quick, who has kids? So it doesn't matter, does it? It's not really up to you. It's not about your preference, right? It's just about what's going on with your kids. I love it. Okay, two more questions. Just wanna know a few things about you guys. Who would say naturally, like, you are a worker. Like you love to work. You love to go hard, like rise and grind, get it done. Like you have that one project and you have the other project and the 17 other projects that you're still working on all at once, right? Okay, I see. Oh, they're proud of it too. They're like, I'm a worker, what's up? You know, that's the thing about you workers. You always let us know you're working. Um, and who is the opposite of that? Who's like, y'all, I could rest all day. <laughs> like I don't, and there's no shame in this. This isn't like good or bad. It's like, I have no problem. Jerry Barron's like, catch me at the golf course every day of the week, right? Like you could just rest, relax, kick back, family-sized bag of Doritos, a pint of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I don't, I'm not talking from experience. I just read this stuff online that some people do these things, right? I love it. I love hearing about what you guys are into because that's what we're gonna talk about today is those things is our waking, our sleeping, our resting, and our working, we're in week two of this series, Jesus, everything. And we've been using that song, right? Kind of as our template. I hope you're not getting tired of it because you're gonna hear it, I think at least four more times, right? Is God in this, God in this. And specifically today, again, it's that God in my waking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, God in my working. You know, and this, we, we didn't just pick this because it's a song that we like. This is scripture, right? This is painted out for us in the Bible of what it looks like to live a life where we commit everything we are to Jesus. There's a passage in Romans 12, and it's one that I've loved. It talks about offering yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. What, I love that picture of that's Jesus everything, right? It's like, I'm just a sacrifice. I'm just here to be used by you, Jesus. I wanna read that for us. And I'm gonna read it out of the message paraphrase because I just love the way it kind of fleshes out this idea. It says this in Romans 12. This is in the message, so, you know, hold with me. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. 
You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its levels of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I read that verse and I'm like, man, that's Jesus everything, right? I love that list. It makes like, take your everything, your everyday ordinary life. Like I didn't call you ordinary, but the message translation did. Your ordinary life, just the regular routines and the things you do and give them to God because he wants to use them. When I read this passage, I see two themes that jump out to me. I see rhythms and I see relationship. Right? It talks about the rhythms. That's what we were just talking about is you're sleeping, you're eating, you're working. Just the rhythms, the routines, the patterns that exist in your day to day. But I also see it talk about fixing our attention on God, recognizing what he wants from you and responding to it. That to me, I hear relationship, right? So I see rhythms and relationship. And as I was just processing that this week, I'm like to live a Jesus everything kind of life, I think it really comes down to what are our rhythms and relationships with Jesus, right? What rhythms and practices have we created and how are those rhythms not just there on their own, but informing and cultivating the depth of relationship that we have with our father. So that's what we're going to call our time together today. And our talk is rhythms and relationship. So we're going to press into specifically around those places of waking sleeping, resting, and working. So I want you to think with me for a minute. Um, for you, like when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that you do? Ooh, make the coffee. I like it. Hey, crowd participation. Let's go. This is what's up. That's what we do on football Sunday. We shout back at the pastor. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I love it. What else? Let's go. Okay, well, we can't go all at once, I guess, because I can't hear anything. Facebook. Okay. I love the honesty. Appreciate it. Yeah. Ready for school. Well, you do, but that's cool. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I love it, Ben. Uh, What else? What do you do in the morning? Right. Coffee. Anybody have that one that makes it while you're still in bed? So when you wake up, it's like, "Mm." I don't even like coffee, but my wife, she just got one of those fancy things. So she's all excited about it. Um, Right. So think we think about what we do when we first wake up in the morning. Yeah. Like some said, maybe it's social media. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's getting ready. Maybe it's, you know, we got to turn on the news, right? We got to see how Joe's doing and how Donald's doing. Make sure everybody's hanging in there. Okay. Or it's like, you know, if you're playing fantasy football and it's Tuesday morning, you got to check like, how did Monday night go? Did I win? What happened? What's the breakdown? We normally have things that we jump to first thing in the morning. I was thinking about this God in my waking, right? There's this song lyric that the first time I heard it, it just pierced my heart. It's from Corey Asbury. It's called Endless Hallelujah. And it says this. It says, in the morning when I rise to meet you, in the morning when I lift my eyes, you're the only one I want to cling to. You're the first thought on my mind. Wow. 
What a picture. A picture of starting our day with the Lord. And even as I've been preparing, I've been chatting, it's so hard, like first thought. It's, I just, I, it's like, you, it doesn't feel like you can force yourself to have that first thought. I'm like, Lord, let me walk in a way where my first thought is of you. That God, I wanna seek you in my waking. Before the noise, before the tasks, before the information, before the work, even before the other people, God, let me seek you first. So I need to think about that. Like, what could that look like in your life to give God your first thought in the morning? I've got to be honest with you guys. Like, I kind of stink at this. Like, naturally, like when we're doing hands, like I'm not a morning person, right? Like normally when I'm waking up in the morning, it's either because of two things. One of them sounds like this, wah, wah, wah. And I promise I don't have my alarm clock set to sound like that. Right? We have a three-year-old and a six-month-old often being woken up that way. Or it is my alarm clock, right? Which I set with a minimal amount of time so I can wake up, shower, get ready, get my stuff and get out the door to the place that I need to be. But the Lord has been showing me, it's like, you have to make margin to seek him first in the mornings, right? So I just wanna admit, like I'm growing in this with you guys. This is, that's not like a natural thing for me, but here's the truth. The days and the times when I do that, and especially when I enter into good, like consistent seasons of doing that, I sense the Lord so much easier throughout my day. And can I be honest? Like, I wish I could tell you that wasn't true. Like personally, cause it's just like, I'm like, oh, but it works. Like when I seek him first, it just kind of filters everything else through the lens of what he wants to do with my day. God in our waking. For me, I love some of these themes. I love starting my day just as I've been practicing this is starting with just thankfulness, right? Just thanking the Lord for that fresh day. You know, some of us have a lot to be thankful for. Some of us might feel like we're in a tough season, a hard time, but I would challenge you to find something to thank the Lord for when you wake up. I love to just ask to receive his new mercies. We see in scripture where it says that his mercies are new every morning. I'm like, man, if they're new today, like, let's go. Like, pour them out, Jesus, bring them on. Ask for those fresh mercies to come and meet me. And lastly, I love just to ask that God be my provider for the day, right? We can read in scripture where it talks about the birds and it talks about that the birds don't worry, that God takes care of them. And how much more does he love you? And not to, not to worry about tomorrow, but to take today for what it is. And in that, I just sense that like, Lord, you want to provide for me today. You want to give me my daily bread today. So when I wake up, it's like, if I can get those things first, oh man, it doesn't matter what comes in my day. It's like the Lord is there, right? I thank him. I ask for his fresh mercies and I ask that he would provide my needs for my day. Practically for you this week, maybe this looks like setting that alarm 15 minutes earlier. Easy starting point is like five, five, and five. You could wake up, you could spend five minutes just praying those simple things, thankfulness, mercies, provision. You could spend five minutes, find somewhere in this book. You can pick a certain book of the Bible. Psalms are great in the morning. Some, some New Testament books like Ephesians or Romans are kind of maybe great places if you're just getting started in the word. You can stick with it. Five minutes in the word. And then five minutes of what we call stillness and solitude. Right, that's where I'm not reading. I'm not talking. I'm just receiving. Right, I'm just listening 
because the Lord wants to speak. It's not just an idea. Maybe you're this week, you try that five, five and five. You set that alarm 15 minutes earlier and you carve out a little bit of time to see God in your waking. In Psalm 143, it says this in verse eight, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. I mean, shoot, if you need something to read, read that every morning, Psalm 143, right? That's right out of verse eight. That's our hope with God in our waking is that we give him our first thoughts and he informs our whole day. All right, so if we're gonna live a life that looks like Jesus, everything, right? Then it means we don't just want him in our waking, we also want him in our sleeping, right? And some of you might be learning for the first time that God wants to be a part of your sleeping and you're like, I will sign up to be like a spiritual sleeping ninja. You know, like I, whatever, it, like I will nap for the Lord all the days of my life, whatever it takes, right? But there's, there's a truth and we're gonna unpack this that God wants to be in our sleeping and even I might've cheated and included just that evening time right before we close our eyes. And we're not gonna do all the same things, but you could think again, like what is that process for you right before bed, you know? Is that the mindless scrolling? Is that the mindless shows? And then you just pass out? It's like, what, what's going on before you fall asleep? And where do we include the Lord in that space? Thought of these three, three ideas that I think can be powerful to include God in our sleeping. And it's repentance, revelation, and rescue. Repentance, revelation, and rescue. The first of those, repentance. I think inviting God into that evening moment and then our true rest, I thought of like, man, at the end of my day, normally by the time I've gone through a whole day, it's like, I have something I need to repent for. Like I have somewhere that I've messed it up a little, somewhere I've done something I wish I wouldn't have done, somewhere where I've like, I know that the Lord, this was not the best that he had for me, right? Like we have those places and those things in our life. And that's what this idea of repentance is, is telling the Lord, I'm sorry. Asking the Lord to forgive you. And really, there's a word for that when we, when we hurt God's heart. And that word is what we call sin. And I think in church, that word, like if we say like, don't sin, it's like, oh, that seems like brutal. But really what sin is, is it's missing the mark of what God has for your life. I think especially sometimes as religious people, we, it's like, oh, well, those, those dang sinners and all their sin and they got their sins going on in their life. They're so awful. It's like, no, there, there, are, there are big sins. There are little sins, but it's all the same. It's missing the best of what God has for you. And maybe you blew it and you got to run back to your dad and say, I messed up so bad today. I'm sorry. Or maybe it was just a small thing in your heart that he gave you a prompt to pray for someone at Walmart and you just passed on it. That's sin. That's missing the mark of what God has for your life. So we get to repent. He's a, he's a nice dad. So we get to come back and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. Would you change my heart? It's a great practice to do before we sleep. I think with repentance, you can also ask the Lord, right? One of the tricks about needing to ask, you know, is if you bothered the Lord or if you sinned is oftentimes I think our biggest offenses are what I might call blind spots, 
right? And by that, I mean that like, if you're married, it's probably the thing your spouse sees about you that you don't know is true about yourself, right? Blind spots. We have them with the Lord too. I think we can unintentionally be doing things that we need to repent for with the Lord. So it's good to just ask, Lord, show me where I missed it today. Oh, Jesus, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you meet me? And not just, not just forgive me, but change me, Jesus, more into what you have. Last thought on this repentance is before you lay down at night, great idea is to see who you need to forgive or who you need to ask for forgiveness from. There's a verse in Ephesians that talks about not letting the sun go down while we're angry. And I think sometimes in our life, we have to hold on to that and we have to say, Lord, would you forgive me? But also in my relationships, I've hurt someone, I've offended someone. I need to ask for forgiveness or someone's hurt me and offended me. I need to ask for them to speak to that. And here's, you might be thinking like, man, he's taking that verse very literally. But in my life, every time I don't take that verse literally, literally, like it gets hard. It just always gets so hard. You know, I'm like the things that I've let go on for days, weeks, months become so challenging to deal with. And maybe in that window in your evening, you don't have time to have the full conversation, but maybe it's like, man, I know that I hurt someone today. I just want to text them and say, hey, God's just putting you on my heart. Could we talk tomorrow? You know, you might have time for all of it, but I think God in our sleeping, we have to start by kind of unloading the places where we've missed the mark for our day. That's repentance. I think next for God in our sleeping is we can seek him for revelation right? And specifically in Revelation, I mean that God would come and reveal to us, to us, this is where it gets literal, like in our sleep and our dreams that God would show himself to us. Some of you might be learning for the first time, like God can, he can be in my dreams. That's probably those ones like when I'm flying and I'm a superhero, like that's where the Lord's at. No, the Lord can use our dreams to speak to us, to reveal his character, to show himself to us. We see this all the time in scripture. Right, a common story, maybe you don't know it, but it's about a guy named Joseph. He had the skill to interpret dreams. You know, someone could share a dream and he might be able to speak to the meaning. And someone he was working for had this dream that he interpreted and they realized that the Lord was showing them that there was gonna be a famine. Right, the Lord gave a dream to protect people. Right, he was speaking to them. Or even two really popular characters that we read about, Mary and Joseph. Go back and read the account leading up to Jesus. It's like, these people probably got no good nights of sleep. Every night, the Lord just trying to tell them, watch out, oh, oh, Herod's over here, hey, check this out, oh, here he comes. You know, he's just speaking to them through their dreams. And I'm like, if I can connect with the Lord when I am half unconscious and resting, like, sign me up for that, bad boy. So before you fall asleep, ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me revelation in my dreams tonight of who you are and of what you have for me? One of the prayers I can just hear in my head that my dad would pray over and over for people is God, as they lay their head down tonight, would you fill them with visions and dreams of your love for them? It's a great prayer for yourself. It's a great prayer. If you're praying for someone and you're stuck, just pray that over them. Just pray the Lord would use their dreams and meet them. God, in our sleeping, we wanna repent before we go to bed. We wanna ask for revelation as we sleep through our dreams. Lastly, I think we can ask the Lord for rescue. I think a lot of us and just different people I talk to and interact with, um, and even some close friends struggle with the nighttime, struggle with fear, anxiety, 
worry, especially around that time when you're getting ready for bed that just start to creep in. I think there are some folks that struggle specifically even when you're sleeping with nightmares, with terrors that happen in the night. And I think God in our sleeping means we can seek him out as a rescuer, that he would come and he would heal those things, that he would come and he would remove those things. You know, we have to recognize that God rules the night. I think a lot of times we think like darkness is the enemies. It's not. The Lord, it's in Genesis. He made a greater light for the day and a lesser light to rule the night. Satan does not rule the night. Jesus does. And we have to come at the enemy with that and say, no, God rules the night. Heal my dreams, heal my thoughts, heal my anxieties. You rule the night, God, be in my sleeping. I just sense that preparing this week and I just sense it in my spirit now that there are some of you that like, that's, that's what you came here for today is you are struggling with those issues and that's all you need to hear. And when we finish, we're gonna make space in about, in about a little while from now and we're wrapping up, there'll be prayer teams. And if that's you, if that just hit you, that's the Lord. If, if you're wrestling with fear at night, if you're wrestling with nightmares, when we finish this, please come forward. Myself or others would really love to pray with you. I just feel the Lord's pressing on that as something he wants to um, just relieve people from today. So just, if that's you, when we finish and call for prayer, please come up because we love to pray that the Lord would rescue you in your sleep. So we started by, by we want Jesus everything, right? We went, started with our waking. We want to give God our first thoughts, right? And then we say, God, in my sleeping, talked about repenting before we close our eyes. We talked about asking for revelation in our dreams. And we asked for rescue, that the Lord would rescue us if we're wrestling with anxieties and fears in those times. Now we want to look at God in our resting God in my resting. I think this one might be challenging for some of us today because if I can be honest, it's hard to invite God into something that we don't have. Right? If we don't have rest, we have nothing to invite God into if we're not resting, right? With this concept, if we want to see God in our resting, well, it starts by resting, right? God in my resting. And I think we have to kind of address that first that a lot of us, I'm not saying everyone, and here, we're gonna talk about working in a second. There is a place for that, but I think if we had to admit where we struggle more, it's normally finding space for rest, not space for work. I think in our culture, we've honestly created this idea, and you might feel this today, that like resting is wasteful. Like it is a waste to rest. Why would I do that? And what's so hard, when I think of that, it just breaks my heart. Not because I have it all together, but because if you feel that way, that means all your identity, all of who you are is wrapped up in what? You're doing, your job, you're working. The Lord has more than that for you. He wants to meet you in resting. He wants us to work towards rhythms of rest, rhythms that happen daily. You might, have a, you might not have a lot of margin daily, but maybe that's 10 minutes when you get home from work. Maybe that's a few minutes in the middle of your day when you're on your lunch break, a time to rest. Weekly, we call that a Sabbath. Ryan says this a lot. It's the idea that God can do more in six days than we can do in seven. Amen. 
right? We take a whole day and we just say, Lord, I'm going to rest. I love this idea. Ceasing from productivity. Whew, somebody just like didn't like the sound of that, right? <laughs> Resting. Ceasing from productivity. What's a Sabbath look like? I don't know. Are you ceasing from being productive? That's, I mean, that's hard for me. I don't mind chilling and relaxing, but like just ceasing, just, just resting. But you know what happens when you do that? You affirm in the Lord that it's his strength and not your own that you operate in. That's what you're doing. You're allowing yourself to reset. And then when the Lord moves, it's like, well, I know it wasn't me because I was resting in his promises and in his presence, but he showed up. So he gets the glory. God in our resting. I also think in our culture, we've kind of confused relaxation and rest. We have this idea of physically relaxing, right? Which might look like, like, you know, someone say like, oh, I got a veg, like I just need to veg out, right? It's like normally that involves like a couple shows, like several shows, more shows. Like, you know, when Netflix is saying, do you want to keep watching? This is what we would call a state of vegging, right? And a lot of times I think we go there and we can, oh, well, that's rest. That might be physical, like you're laying on the couch, but, or it's like, oh, I just need to rest, you know? I mean, tell me I'm not the only one, shoot. Like, right, and we, we call that resting. I think we have to recognize the difference between relaxation and the rest that Jesus has for us. He talks about this in Matthew 28. Again, this is coming from the message paraphrase. I just love some of the touch on these today. Matthew 28, it says this. Are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I hear that and I start to sense the difference between relaxing and the rest for my soul that comes only from the Lord. I love that, the way it's phrased. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And it might not just look like physically resting or relaxing. It might look like an internal rest. We wanna do both, right? So we can't just go, go, go and say, Lord, my spirit's at rest. Like that's, that's not what we're talking about. But we also can't just lay down and relax and say that we're resting in the Lord. I love the story in the, in the gospels where it's like, it's Jesus and his boys and they're out on a boat. Oh, those are the disciples and they're out on a boat and they're going out and like the storm starts coming and like, you know, the water's getting rocky and things are happening. The disciples are like, like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Oh my goodness. And what's Jesus doing? Right. Jesus is just zonked out over there. And it's like, man, that seems almost extreme, but what a picture for the rest that comes from the Lord. That's a literal story, but what about just the metaphor that that blows into? The storms in our life, the seasons in our life that are challenging, but God wants to give us rest for our souls. God in our resting. Practically, again, I think this looks like making space for silence in your life, making space for solitude. 
making space for stillness. That idea of ceasing from productivity. To do that, you might need to ask for help. You might need to let your spouse know, hey, they were talking about rest today at church and I am struggling so much. Do you think in the evenings you could carve out 15 minutes and hang out with the kids? And that's not, that could be wife to husband, husband to wife. Could you help me out? I need to get some rest. I don't just need to relax on the couch. I need to rest in the Lord. All right, it might look like reaching out to a friend and saying, hey, I wanna work on resting from six to 6.30 in the evening. If you catch me on social media, if I send you a text message, will you just knock me out, right? Because that's not what I wanna be doing during that time. You know, just, hey, I want to be committed. That's called accountability, right? Someone that will check in with you and make sure you're following up. To rest, we need help because it's not natural for us. It's not normal in our culture. It's not something we typically do, but it is what the Lord is calling us to, God in our resting. So we started with waking, right? We invite him in the mornings. We give him our first thoughts. Then we wanna see God in our sleeping. We practice repentance, right? Asking for forgiveness. We ask for revelation in our dreams and we ask for rescue if we're someone struggling with fears, anxieties, nightmares when we sleep. And we could see God in our resting like we just talked about, right? That comes from practicing ceasing from productivity, but beyond that, inviting the Lord in to be our rest. Something I love to do with that is just deep breaths in, deep breaths out, right? You breathe in his peace. You breathe out worry. You breathe in his Holy Spirit. You breathe out the burdens that are going on in your life. If you, if you are physically still, but you have a hard time resting, try that. Slow, deep breaths. And when you breathe in, just say, Lord, I breathe in your peace. Lord, I breathe out your burdens. And if you have them, spell them out to him. Lord, I breathe this out. Lord, I breathe this out. I breathe this difficulty out. And I breathe in what you're doing. That's a great practice for those of us that struggle entering into like internal rest. Lastly, the thing we're gonna talk about is God in our working. We want to see him in our working. The first verse that comes to my mind when I think of this is one that's fairly common if you've been around church, but it's this idea of doing everything unto the Lord, right? Working as if we're working for the Lord. It's Colossians three twenty three. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I think that might be like the baseline, the starting point for God in our working. Do we work as if we are working for the Lord? And I think that can mean in the nine to five, that can mean any kind of thing that we're doing. Are we doing it unto the Lord? Are we honoring our coworkers or our bosses or the tasks at hand as if they're unto the Lord? And I have to admit, admit, you know what's crazy is I work at a church and I'm saying this in front of my boss too. I work at a church and sometimes I have to remind myself to work as if I'm working for the Lord. Isn't that ridiculous? It's like, but we just get stuck. Like we have tasks, we have things we gotta do. We gotta knock this out. We gotta get ready. Sunday's coming. We got an event. We got an outreach. We got this. Like there are things that happen that it's like, I'm not working for the Lord right now. Like I want to work that way. And I might have it easier than most of you because my job like directly involves him. So if you, whatever your job is, how do you invite 
the Lord into that. But like we're saying, it's not just for like the nine to fivers and those folks going to the office. It's in everything that we do. When we cut the grass, we do it unto the Lord. When we do the dishes, do we do it unto the Lord? When we put away the laundry, do we, notice I said put away the laundry. I didn't say, do we wash the laundry for the Lord? Do we dry the laundry for the Lord? No, I'm talking about the real stuff. Do we fold it for the Lord? Amen, hallelujah. Come on now, right? Are we doing these things unto the Lord? What about when we're changing diapers? Are we doing that unto the Lord? What about when we're Ubering kids around from soccer to dance to this and that? Are we doing that unto the Lord? What about when we're the grandparent that does the daily childcare? Are we working unto the Lord? You know what happens when we work unto the Lord? I'm gonna tell you, even though you didn't ask. See what I did there? I set myself up. This is what happens when you work as if you're working for the Lord. Work transitions from being work and it becomes opportunity. When we're working unto the Lord, all the work that we're doing is not work. It's a space for his kingdom to break in on earth. What if the office wasn't the office? What if it was a mission field for the kingdom of God? What if dealing with your kids and the challenges and struggles and the burdens that come with that were not just those, it was an opportunity for discipleship in your family? What if the tasks, the things, just the mundane stuff that has to get done every day, what if we said, Lord, take this and show me your character through it and in it? Just the other day I had that happen. I was washing dishes at my house and I had this old cutting board that I had, we had cut a watermelon up. My son is just obsessed with watermelon right now. We chopped that up, but you know what we didn't do? Wash it right away. We let it sit there for a while. So finally get around to it. I'm scrubbing it. I'm scrubbing it. The Lord was not on my mind at this point at all. I'm just like, darn dishes, right? So I'm doing dishes and the Lord just breaks in. And as I'm scrubbing that, he revealed something to me. I had the next couple days, I knew I was going to have to have a hard conversation with a friend. And he said, you know how tough that watermelon was to get off right now? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, that's because it sat there for a while. And this hard conversation you're about to have with someone, it would be a lot easier if you wouldn't go to bed still angry, right? That would be a lot, but like the Lord just broke in in that moment. It's like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Just probably weeping, just just, thank you, Jesus, I'm sorry. You're revealing to me that I don't, I don't handle offense well. I don't navigate conflict well, but Lord, I want to grow in that. But he didn't do that at church and he didn't do that in my prayer time. He did it while I was doing the dishes because I'm trying to the best of my ability to do these things unto the Lord. But I also think that comes from something else. It comes from a deep inward relationship with the father. And I'm, I promise I'm not the master at that, but I, I got lucky in that case and the Lord met me. There's a book we've been reading by Watchman Nee called Release of the Spirit. We're reading it as a staff and as a board. And he talks about this 17th century monk named Brother Lawrence, who is working in a monastery. And he just talks about his ability to sense God in the midst of the mundane routine tasks of life. And it says this, This was me writing. He says, remember when brother Lawrence was engaged in kitchen work? People were clamoring around him for things they wanted. Although there was constant clatter of dishes and utensils, his inward man was not disturbed. He could sense God's presence in the hustle and bustle of a kitchen as much as in quiet 
prayer. Whoa. Anyone else like looking for that level of depth and connection with their heavenly father? This deep inward life that is not just found in the rhythms, but the rhythms that influence the relationship and the relationship that allows you to see Jesus in everything. Because at some point the rhythm has to stop for most of us. Like I can't stay still and pray 24 seven. But what I can do is use that prayer time to let the Lord make a home in my heart so that when I'm doing other things, the Lord is present in my life and has the ability to get my attention. That's what Jesus everything means. It's this balance and tension between rhythms and relationship and rhythms in our waking. What do we do in our waking? Do we have spiritual disciplines in our waking? But do those disciplines inform the depth of our relationship with Jesus? Do we have rhythms around our sleeping? And do those rhythms grow and cultivate the way we know our dad in heaven? Do we have rhythms of rest that strengthen our relationship and our reliance on Jesus? Do we have rhythms around working in a way that tunes our heart to the fathers so we can see him in everything that we do? I'm not there yet, y'all, but right in this message, I'm like, Lord, I want more. Lord, I want more. I wanna see you in more things in my life. I wanna see you in everything. Just have your way. I just see it like the Lord just gave me that picture, like those two words, rhythm, relationship. And I just see like an infinity sign. If you can, if you're like a visual, just think of that. And that's what it is. Maybe it started with relationship. Maybe you said yes to Jesus. Someone prayed a prayer at service. You said, yes, I want in, I want to follow. But then you, you go into rhythms, not for the sake of rhythms, but so they point you back to the relationship of Jesus. But sometimes we just get stuck. Like I love him, he loves me. We're a happy family, right? And it's like, we don't press into the rhythms and then the relationship doesn't grow. Or we get so stuck doing the list of rhythms that we're doing the rhythms, doing the rhythms, doing, and Jesus is like, I'm over here, homie, right? It's both, it's rhythms and relationship. And naturally we probably have a tendency to lean towards one or the other, but I think the goal is just this constant weaving and flowing. Jesus, everything, rhythms and relationship. So I want to ask you today, what does that look like for you? What do your rhythms and relationship look like? Especially when it comes to waking, sleeping, resting, and working. Three little questions just to ponder and maybe to take a picture of on the screen or take home with you. These are things I think you should ask the Lord. The Lord wants to reveal this stuff to us is which area do you want me to grow in? You know, you, you don't have to eat this all at once. You don't have to, you know, if you're like me, you'll go home and like, I'm gonna do all four perfectly this week. And then you'll do that for a day or a half a day and then you'll stop, right? So don't, this isn't a new year's resolution. This is a life change, right? So just start with one. Start with your morning. Start with your evening. Start with finding some space for rest. Which area is God calling you to grow in? Second question, what spiritual rhythms could I create around that area, right? Where we put a little, a little flesh to what we're talking about. It's like, oh, I'm gonna work on my mornings. Okay, how? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work on my mornings. Okay, well, how? Right, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up. Okay, well, what are you gonna do after that? Oh, well, I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna do the five, five, five thing. I'm gonna do five in the word, five. Oh, cool. Well, who are you gonna tell about that so they can text you? Oh, gosh, whoa, this man, this church is tough, right? So that's called accountability. That's called really pressing in and taking that home. Lastly is asking the Lord, how can I grow relationally with you through those rhythms? Again, we don't do the rhythms unto themselves. We don't pray just to hear ourselves talk. We don't pick up this book just because we like a good read. We don't worship because we like music. All those things can be pluses. We do them because they connect our heart to God's. So we do the rhythms to shape the relationship. What area do you need to press into this week? What rhythms and accountability do you need to create around that? And ask the Lord, what do you want to do with our relationship through that? And as we close, we're going to make that space for ministry. If you're on the prayer teams, I'll go ahead and invite you to come forward. You know, if there's something hitting your heart in that stuff today, we want to pray for you about it. Maybe there's one of these things that you're like, oh, that is so hard to hear. Or, oh, the Lord's telling me I need to work on that. Or maybe there was something way back about repentance that just like, you haven't heard anything else I've said because the Lord told you, you need to repent for this. You are broken here and I'm calling you to wholeness. All we want to do is encourage the work that God is already doing. If you're here and you have physical needs, if you have other things in your life going on way beyond the talk today, we want to pray with you. We want to ask that God would join you in that. Maybe you sent something during our time of worship. Sometimes it's a warmth or a weight or just like, whoa, that just felt different. Or I, I, I cried during worship. I don't know what happened. It's oftentimes the Holy Spirit. We want to pray for that. We want to bless that. And, and especially, I just keep sensing that word of if you struggle with those fears at night, if you need God to rescue the night and take back the night, maybe you have nightmares, night terrors, things in that realm, um, please come forward. And you, you can tell these guys what's going on. You can say nothing. That's, that's cool. The Lord will intervene. He'll do the rest. You know, we'll just pray for each other. So I always say that's, that's the strongest thing we can do, you know, is pray for each other. Ministry time is just a part of the service. This is, you know, some people go that way. Some people get kids. Some people come this way, right? This is just how we end our services in ministry. Um, if you're able, will you just stand to your feet with me? I'm going to pray and then we'll do ministry. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just pray, Father God, your presence just come and rest on us, Lord. God, you are stirring some things up in worship. I pray if those have drifted away, you'd bring them back to light in people's hearts right now. Pray if, if we need to encourage that spirit, God, would you just breathe on it right now? Lord, I pray for people and they're waking, they're sleeping, they're resting and they're working, God, where you're tugging them closer to your heart would you just show them what it is, where you want to grow them, where you want to stretch them? Would you give them courage to come receive ministry? God, and I do pray specifically right now, we just pray that you would rule the night. Anyone struggling with fear at night, I just pray that would go right now in the name of Jesus and you would take back that territory, Lord. We just ask that in your name. I say no to nightmares. I say no to night terrors in the name of Jesus. God, would you come and would you have your way? Lord, we want you to be our everything, but we're broken and we fall short so many times. So we repent. We ask you come and you shape our hearts to look more like yours until everything we have is for you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for hanging today. If we can pray for you, please come forward this way as others go that way or as others pick up their kids. Be blessed and we'll see you guys next weekend.